Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 199 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, you kind of want to do a bit of house cleaning um, from episode 198, so I'm going to give you your 20 seconds, and you can go right ahead. Well, well it's just a, a follow-up from the last episode where you kind of asked people to make sure that they ask me to upload my song somewhere. And I didn't really want to upload it without anybody asking, and I thought I would gonna, was going to get away with it. But uh, listener Joe sent me a DM saying he would like to hear the song, so I think we're going to put it in at the end of this Oh, episode. no, we, we are, because I, I have the file now, which you refuse to give me. I you the file. You refuse to give it to me <laughs> no, initially. I, I did not refuse to give it yes. to you. It's just hearing something I wrote with a certain set of parameters uh, for it was like for a grade six class. Uh, I think I did a pretty good job with it, but listening back to it, it's a little cringy for me. But mm. you said it's fine. You're you're also so, you sing too on there, right? It I everything is me on there. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Brian's Listen for mean. for what? No, but like we'll let we'll let listeners judge on the merits. So we'll include it as the instead of having like a closing theme, it's just gonna be um, us quietly uh, moving into the sunset. Uh, speaking of moving into the sunset. We are not alone this episode. We are joined by Mr. Rob Christopherson of Our Strange Guys. Hi, Rob. It's uh, great to be in the middle of this bickering back and forth. I, <laughs> I, I feel honored to be like a, a third-party mediator. Consider me the Judge Judy of this podcast this evening. We've been podcast married for five years. You're worth almost five, $500 million, Rob, just as an FYI. If that's the mind. stance you're taking. Yeah, uh, Or cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Oh no 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 no! Don't don't tie me into cryptocurrency, please. <laughs> Rob coin. Oh, can we? Yeah, let's get Rob coin going. No, no, no. I'm uh, putting the kibosh on that right up front here. I will not be responsible for this madness. Uh, but it is it is an honor to be back, gentlemen. Uh, especially to talk crap about what we're going to talk crap about. <sighs> <sighs> So, Rob, you are the host of Our Strange Guys. You deal in the realms of the paranormal. Mm-hmm. And so you and I were texting. We were talking. You made me angry a couple of months ago by letting me know that you had a copy of the book The Entity, right? Um, mm-hmm. By uh, Frank DeFilita, I do believe it is pronounced, um, written in the late 70s, and then also spawned a movie in 1982, which we'll also talk about. So I'm kind of trying to figure out which way we want to do this, right? Because there's like a perfect kind of like circle of three different things. There's the book, the movie, and the actual paranormal case that this is based on. So right. I'm going to let the two of you pick which way we're going first. I kind of feel like you need to know the case first before you can really get into how badly in a direction that I think Frank takes it uh, because it's... It's not great. It, it's really not great. It could have been something, uh, but it's 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 just not great. But I'm loving think... this because I know that Angelo feels differently. Right. And I'm very right. curious to hear the right. meaning of the minds that is about to occur in like 10, right. 15 minutes. Right. Um, well, I feel differently in the fact that the book basically has nothing to do with the case apart from being a woman who was attacked by a ghost who had some children. Correct. Involved. Right. Um I knew nothing about the case going in, and I had no baggage with it at all. So I just kind of read the book as like a standalone horror book, and it was fine. I was I was finding myself entertained by reading it. It was okay. It was not the best thing, 
I mean, it's it's he's no Dan Brown, right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you mean he didn't he didn't end every chapter in a cliffhanger? Yeah, exactly. Also, there are not sixty seven of them. Right. Yeah, and two one page chapters. Let yeah. us reminders. So keep that in mind, listeners. Angela says it was fine. So let's move on and actually talk about the the basis for the case. Right now, I think that we should yeah. probably give a bit of a trigger warning here. We're going to be talking about some sensitive stuff, um, mm-hmm. both um, alleged as well as fictional. So I feel better, you know, if you are oh, yeah. um, sensitive to like sexual assault. I think we might be using some strong language too. So we'll see how that goes. But like, just to yeah. anyone, we might actually yeah. have to slap this with the explicit co- like logo, Angelo. Like, are you ready with that? Well, when you two get together, that's usually the case. <laughs> Listen, it, it has nothing to do with my foul mouth this time. It's literally the content of the story and the book and the movie. Like, you can't escape it. Like you, you, I think it'll be too much to be just be adding a bleep every once in a while. Yeah. Editing would be no, I'm a not. Horror show. Yeah, I'm not doing that because I'm editing. I feel like right this. Too. I feel like this is entrapment already because you set me up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let us talk about the case itself. So, um, uh, the book is based on the Doris Bither case, right? So it is a woman, um, who essentially uh contacts a parapsychologist in the early seventies, in 1973 or 1974, I think. And um, so she lives in Culver City, California, and she has three kids. And basically what happens is that she tells uh, parapsychologist Barry Tapp, she's like, listen, I've been having these issues with, with a demon in my home. A demon has been assaulting me. A demon has been sexually assaulting me. Um, the term uh, spectral rape is used in the entity, but it actually wasn't used at all during the case. So essentially what happens is that Taff is kind of... Uh, super reluctant to believe any of this and then he goes to the home they do repeated visits they do seances um they take pictures and there's some we'll talk about that in a bit but like there's some controversy surrounding the the pictures itself and so she ends up um moving away right essentially from california and from what i understand that she eventually after moving into a couple towns in california ends up in uh, texas eventually um passing some years ago but apparently the uh, encounters, the like the sexual assault encounters, had like dropped off in frequency. They were still happening, but not nearly as frequent as um, uh, the Culver City like uh, uh, era of things. Yeah, she was likely she was younger and obviously had more stress on her, and perhaps maybe that was adding to the frequency and intensity of whatever was happening to her, and as she got older more mature i mean although she was she was in her 30s right and she never she was really cagey about her background and her age and a lot of other details about her life with taff uh, making things even more difficult for him to figure out so i think that's part of it though right as your kids get older as you get older you kind of mellow out so that's talking to her her mental state which as you probably know where i'm going to be going with this is i think there's no actual ghost involved and it's likely Uh, an unfortunate issue of mental health. So two things before I forget. Firstly, Angelo, you just mentioned as your kids get older, you're mellower. Are you mellower now than you were 10 years ago? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. A lot less worried, a lot less less anxiety. Kids are older. When your kids get older, there's a lot less for you to really worry about in terms of figuring out how to deal with these small humans in your house. You kind of get into a routine and know what you're dealing with right Uh, and they start helping out around the house which is really great like we have an extra vacuum person during the weekend and an extra dusting person to clean the house they pick up things Um, they also make more of a mess than anybody else but let's just uh, as your kids get older 
let's just note right now that uh, Angelo is for child labor and exploitation of child labor. So um, yeah, Rob not, fighting back. Paid. Yeah, they get paid in food, though. So. <laughs> paid and, in and, food. Uh, <laughs> you kind of need to provide that to your children already. So. <laughs> <laughs> Like we we don't need to who who the heck was that guy uh, on the internet to like what was it last year who Jordan uh, Peterson no be- was wasn't it like no wasn't like Bean Dad <laughs> yes Bean Dad oh yeah the um uh, John, uh he he did the uh, theme song for my brother my brother and me like the original theme song I can't yeah remember. um yeah I can't I listened to his podcast yeah he does a podcast with, huge uh, surprise there yeah. yeah no but he does a podcast with with Dan Benjamin. Yes. Yeah, he does. Right. He like his. Really so, so basically, Bean Dad is like. So this is from like early 2021, and essentially, right. Bean Dad's daughter is like nine, and she says, "Daddy, can you open this can of beans?" And he refuses to do that until she learns how to use a can opener. But yeah, it's, like, John, it's John Roderick, the, yes. the lead singer of um, of uh, the, that band. I can't think of it right now, but yes. Yep. Um, Long Winters. He's the lead singer of the Long Winters. Yes. Um, he, uh, you know, aptly forgets what the one of the jobs of a parent is is to teach a damn child but you know like uh, i guess let a child struggle with a can for nine hours or something like that but yeah know. it was like the whole day it was the whole day yeah. pretty much yeah yeah pretty much anyways angelo fiorentino questionable dad tactic secondly though yeah no i i actually get accused of of coddling my children too much brian was making fun of me that i like i still like tuck both kids in before bed and i i'm sometimes late to the podcast because of that but that's okay that's okay. Uh, it's on me this time. It's it's literally on me because uh, isn't it on Tim Cook? Uh, yeah, he, I'm blaming he it totally. The button on, on your Mac. Yeah, I am because they hit me with Ventura 13.0 out of out of nowhere, like like an RKO out of nowhere, and I was sitting here <laughs> for about an hour. For our listeners, I believe that's a wrestling reference. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Tim Cook is too busy waving the checkered flag at the F1. Did you guys see that meme? I did, Tim yeah. Cook, the most unenthusiastic checkered flag waver of all time. How do you think that came he about? Just terrified. How do you think that came about? Well, um, Brad Pitt is filming uh, or is going to be filming an F1 movie for Apple TV. And the Apple people were in Austin, Texas at the F1, as well as Eddie Q being on the board of Ferrari. So okay. that's, he's going he's gonna to be going to F1's, F1 events if he can. I love how we didn't do tech this episode, but we got some tech in there anyways. Thank you, Angelo. Well, some F1 and tech. It's perfect. So let me close the circle on this. So the first thing you talked about is is mailing out his dad. Now, the second thing you talked about is that um, uh, Doris Bither's background is a little bit murky. And in the ensuing mm-hmm. years, people have contacted their, her, her children about you know their mother. And so one of them claims that she has a, a propensity for uh, abusing uh, drugs and alcohol. Um, though some skeptics, like it's not a lot of mudslinging between the kids because some of them, uh, one of the other kids says that she was completely sober, clean living, and that the the son who had claimed this also has dependency issues. Um, so kind of kind of murky, and like you know, she had passed um, at the age of fifty eight. Uh, I think like ten or twelve years ago at this point, right? So she's kind of you can't no, talk to her. That couldn't have been ten or twelve years ago. She was she was in her thirties in the seventies. Okay, so probably closer to two thousand then. Yeah. I'm yeah, just trying to okay, do yeah. once again. Oh, so before before I forget, before this episode started, when Rob was was busy, you know, dealing with the the progress bar, you know, uh, uh, negging him essentially. <laughs> Angela totally and I talked was. about how bad I am at math, and he kept throwing numbers at me, and it was very scary. Um, so well, because I told them I'm I'm admitting students to university that were born in like 2004 now. 
It's uh, 2004. And, hmm. Yeah, and and I was also saying how to my daughter, uh, Nirvana is to her as like the Beatles were to me. In right. fact, even older. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's. I've also been hearing a lot of a lot about like you know how kids kids these days wear like Nirvana T-shirts and they think it's a clothing company, right? Yeah, they don't realize it's a band, or they'll be wearing Friends T-shirts and think uh, I wear it because my friend got it for me and we're friends, right? Angelo, is this like, like the same, from the same school of like you know uh, check out your kids' candy because there's razor blades inside of it? Because like it's kind no, of giving off no, the same no. vibes here. No, not the same vibes at all. I don't know about that. So where did you hear this, by the way? Let's start with that. It, I think Let's I heard debunk it on a podcast. This one. Oh, really? I think I heard it on a podcast this week. Interesting. So uh, you're this is like secondhand knowledge then. Yeah, it's not of, my, it's not first hand. Of perhaps hype. Yeah, because you never leave your home. No, all the knowledge I have is from podcasts. <laughs> oh, this episode. Like, I just think Rob is fast. surrounded by weird UFO cases. That's all most I know about time. Rob. Most of the yeah, time that's just, how it yeah. is. Yeah. Okay, uh, uh, back to this very tragic case, though. So, Doris Bitter... Brian lives uh, in a square on my Zoom screen. All day long. That's, <laughs> That's all, all I, I do. I, we're just in 2D. Like, we haven't seen each other in a year at this point. Um, mm. He refuses to come to my home. Like, it's just... It's awful. Brian, are you going to acknowledge your cap, by the way? Oh, my Alien 3... My Alien 3 promo hat that I got at a thrift store? Alien cubed. Yes. Yes. Uh, and it is it, cute. It, yeah. it was authenticated, so take that, Angelo. Uh, who authenticated it? So the thrift store. So the thrift store owner had explained to me the lineage of the hat. So basically, like there was a Fox executive who had retired and moved to that part of Ontario from the states, and he uh, uh, was slowly divesting himself of all of his Fox promo stuff. So she had like a ton of hats. She had a Broken Arrow hat. She had Rookie of the Year. She had a ton of hats, and all of the ones that I saw down there, I saw the Alien Three one. I said, you know what? This hat's for me. It's perfect. Mm. Thank you, Angelo. Yeah. All right. I think we should stop uh, going on tangents. It's, that was my fault, though, by the way. That's okay. <laughs> Let's just leave like 10 seconds of silence there just to, to sort of like double down on, on you just ruining this episode. Uh, back to the Bidler case, though. So um, I linked the two. I linked the two of you to an interesting article about the validity of some of the pictures that have been taken during the the Barry Taff investigation, right? when she swears are, are true and stuff. Um, it's kind of interesting. I'm agnostic because I don't actually have the photos in front of me, so it's quite hard, like physically. So it's quite hard to sort of deduce whether or not this was a trick of the lights or if there were problems with exposure. Um, Angelo, I know that you love taking pictures. You uh, store them everywhere. What are your thoughts on these pictures? The analysis of them is not, could be, could be correct. It could be wrong as well. I don't think they're ghosts or anything. I think the idea of the, the, the arcs of light not being ghosts is the correct one. You weird stuff happens with pictures, especially depending on where the light is bouncing off of and how it reflects in the lens. I don't know what kind of cameras they were using specifically or how they were taking the pictures or what the lighting in the room was at the time, but it could be anything, not necessarily ghosts. Uh, yeah, Taff on this on his coast to coast interview though does mention that weird stuff was happening when they took those pictures and they actually saw them in the room, mm -hmm. but I wasn't there, and some of the stuff Taff says. Uh, makes them pretty questionable. Well, I guess we'll talk about them later. But um, you know, when when you think um, Yuri Geller doing a magic trick in front of you is actual um, paranormal activity, I have a hard time thinking that you can you can figure things out. 
the thing about that though is is that Yuri Geller has fooled so many people. Uh, he fooled, oh yeah, of course he fooled Jacques Vallée. He yep. has fooled yeah. uh, just about anybody who has ever seen him do it back in the seventies. Yeah. is totally is totally in on it. And he's, he's an amazing magician. Yes, he, but he, he is. He but he insists that his magic is real. Although he's calmed down on that lately. I I heard him on a magic podcast uh, a few years ago and. Uh, he's more cagey about it. He doesn't say that he was touched by aliens or things anymore. He's just, right. he's a little, he still doesn't say they're magic tricks like Banachek who will say, no, I'm I'm totally tricking you. This is not real. Mm-hmm. He'll try to give you the sense that what he's doing is oh, maybe a bit real. Right, right. Um, and like, it seems like, it, it, to, to me, Barry Taff is always involved in these cases that are just extreme in in mm-hmm. certain ways yeah. uh especially because uh, we we did the the san pedro haunting on yeah. on our strange skies he was involved in that case yep and that case has i would say one of the best kind of anomalous light photos that i've ever seen because i don't know how to explain it especially for the camera that uh she had at the time and, and was using to uh capture these things because it, it doesn't look uh like a totally like a light it looks almost like it's made of plasma there's like three of them so i'm glad you brought that up because i listened to the episode it was kind of funny this is kind of like it kind of is like synchronicity in a certain way not that i believe in that but i was kind of it was kind of interesting because i like that photo and and compared to these like so for example like there's a set uh from the the bither case where like it's just overblown polaroids right like they're overexposed Um, the skeptical card does a, a pretty decent job explaining what happened, how these photos shouldn't necessarily be um, uh, looked at critically because of the fact that they are overexposed. So there is a ton of, of kind of issues with that. Once again, I don't have them in front of me. I can't look at the originals necessarily either. Right. So I'm erring on the side of like, these look more um, uh, uh, problematic than authentic. Right. Right. Uh, I, I agree. And for, you know, Barry Taff, I don't know what he was experiencing in the room at the time when he was in there, when he was capturing those photographs, I can't really, uh, you know, speak to that, but like as evidence, not very good evidence as far as I'm concerned, but you know, I mean, Art Bell was all over him. He was going nuts about him. He was really excited. He was. Well, I, I think that's wanted, just. He, I, I just think that's his nature. So I, and I think we've discussed this before, but like I don't necessarily think that he um, is a critical thinker when it comes to things. He's a showman. No, first no, and yeah, foremost, yeah. right? So all of these outlandish claims, all of these outlandish um, um, guests, he's willing to lean into because he knows it gets people excited. Which right. the, the most outlandish claim though was that it was 2011, and he asked Doris Bither to send him a fax with her phone number. Scrolling. Well, no, Angela, it was 1997. It was 97. Oh, I thought, but... no, I thought it was 20, 2011. No, no, I said it was 2011. No, no it was no, it's 1997. It's early 1997. Oh, well, then it's fine then. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, the, I miss... It might have been a replay you listened to. That might have yes. been it. Oh, that's why I got the 2011 date. Okay, yeah. then yeah. I take that back. It was correct for him to ask for a fax. <laughs> Fastest way to do okay, it. Okay, so also, no, the other problem too, and like this is kind of getting technical, but like Art Bell was his own board operator, so he didn't have someone screening the calls, right? So one of the better right. ways to get through to him was to fax a phone number to him. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. See? So it okay. kind of means that. Yeah, but 1997 totally eliminates my criticism. 
I take it back. I'm sorry, Art Bell. Please don't haunt me. Delete yourself, Angelo. Please, for the sake <laughs> of humanity, just delete yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Rob, coming back to the San Pedro case versus the Bither case, I uh, wholly agree that the, the, the San Pedro case is much more interesting visually. Right. And uh, there's a, like there are like there's like news items and things like that where you get like a first hand account of things that are going on versus the bitter case which is all second hand filtered through the lens of a a fictional story too and that's how it gained a lot yeah. of popularity right right so there's exactly. a kind of a lot of questions a lot of second hand kind of nature here um um kind of going on and so like you know uh Barry Taff runs his own website he has his own info and uh, something that I found really interesting is that so I was this is kind of like a, an ever-widening circle. So someone had recently um, gone into explaining and refuting the Skeptical Inquirer's refutation of the Bither case. Right. Um, so I found a piece on Paramount Daily News about how – and it's very interesting. Um, and it's something that I'm like, I, I don't really get. So the author here, whose name is uh, Craig Whaler, uh, suggests that – uh, Bither not going to a mental health professional was a good thing. And I kind of... Wow. Yeah, yeah, no, no. That's no. very problematic in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Because, like, as... And, Rob, you probably agree as a, a former, you know, MUFI member and someone who feels responsible, like, you have to rule that out before you decide yes. to look at the paranormal stuff. And, like, so Bither turning down the, the idea because she was scared of being labeled insane. And, like, I get that. But at the same time, like, if you want to clearly figure out what is going on, that is one of the first avenues that you should probably take if you want to authentically have people um, figure out if there is a haunting, if there is a poltergeist assaulting you. Like, that's probably one of the first places you'd want to sort of rule out. Yes, exactly. And I I don't think... Taft didn't do his due diligence on that end. He, he just... At first, you know, he kind of wanted to dismiss things because, you know, of the uh, sexual assault angle. And, you know, oh, I just want to label her as crazy. Well, maybe encourage her to go see, you know, a professional in this case. But uh, I think he just got, you know, lured in by what was going on or, or what he thinks was going on in that place. And, like, I think that kind of kind of clouded everything. And mm -hmm. he can, and he puts it in, you know, to such terms, uh, you know, as a parapsychologist and such. But like, if you don't rule that out uh, up front, for yeah. you know, first, that's your investigation is marred from the beginning. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is that because she has a cagey background, you're not necessarily sure if there's a family history of this kind of thing either. And like, right. I'm not trying to smear anyone who no. um, has, but like as an investigator who wants to ensure the integrity of what you are getting at the end of the day, you want to sort of rule those things out before moving forward. Um, yeah. You know, as hard as it may be for someone to face a, a situation like this, it's better to get them treatment and help than it is to let them sort of continue onwards believing in this right and i think that like so that's one of the things that the the book and to a lesser extent the movie do is kind of go back and forth on you know you know it's happening but you know are you well or not um and i think that's a really interesting thing to sort of get into too because in the book um which is a highly fictionized account mm. uh you know it's not even close <laughs> it's not even close i mean there are elements to it that yeah it's basically from... yeah yeah. Like, uh, because Doris Bither, uh, one of the things that she claims is that 
the uh, spirits that assaulted her were Asian looking. Yes. Which she, yeah, which she did claim, which pops up in the book. Um, mm-hmm. my, my biggest, uh, my biggest criticism right up front from the book, from a book perspective. And because I don't think that the assaults per se happening to Doris Bither were as frequent as they are in the book, the way in which, uh, DeFolita presents it, he's not very sympathetic. He is, no. he is, it's misery porn. That's the best way I can describe it. It is misery porn because it's, it's, you go from one scene of sexual assault to, to the next, to the next, to the next, oh, there's a car crash caused by this thing. And it just keeps going back and forth to the point where she just says, oh, I'm just going to go with it. I'm, I'm like that, that, that part really angered me because I was uncomfortable a lot yeah. reading the descriptions of what he was writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was hard to read sometimes. And what is that subreddit? Uh, Men writing women or whatever? Like I just I felt like right. the epitome of that yeah. kind of thing, where it's just yeah. like and worse now in the seventies. Yeah, right. Like I I was texting with Rob the other day, and I said like I had hit the halfway points, and like I could do without the word nipple appearing like yes. for the forty third time, and like because... like Rob was saying, there's like a, like it you. I have, and I think you two would agree, like, I have a huge problem using sexual assault as a plot point when it's continual like that, right? Yeah. It just, it feels, like, like literally very lazy that, like, that's yeah. that's kind of right. what you, like, by, you're trying to build tension by having this repeatedly happen and then write it in such an awkward manner that I felt very, like, not even uncomfortable in the classical sense, just uncomfortable with the, the, the words being chosen. Right. And, like, even from, like, uh, a writer's perspective... That's not how you build tension. You don't build tension by repeating the same scene over and over again in a very formulaic way in which you know exactly what's going to happen, which was literally what he did for like the majority of this book until um, and like there are themes of like. Dudes being really crappy, like really just yeah, just you're gonna yeah just bleep it shitty dudes like shitty guys in her life that's literally what she has she is surrounded by it like yeah i mean the the snyderman was supposed to be like the sympathetic guy and he's still a bit of a well he definitely like it kind of really did come off as like he had attraction to her yes he did yeah it was really it got really creepy and and it's not that it 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 was made clear almost by his supervising doctor that the same thing had happened to him. Yes. And yeah. It was happening to Yeah, Snyder, like they did the whole right? flashback. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. okay, so one creepy dude it like gives birth to another creepy dude. It's, yeah. it's just, yeah. That stuff is really hard to, especially now reading this, what, like almost 50, it is 50 years later, basically, yeah, right. how the way we view things have changed significantly. It, it, it also kind of like, it almost seems like a condemnation of psychiatry also yeah. in, in the yeah. way that like everything is, is framed as like, Oh, psychiatry is kind of like the way of the it, dodo. In this yeah. Case. And like a rigid, a rigid structure by which you can't explore these themes at yes. all. Yeah. It's like Scientology wrote this book. Yeah. So <laughs> like the, the newer edition has this intro 
that yeah. is, I, and I can't remember who wrote it. But oh. like, so, woman from Toronto, apparently. Yes, that's, that's what I noticed the other day. Yes, I can't remember her name, but she was in Toronto. And I had started reading the introduction, and then it says, "Don't read the introduction first. So I didn't which is read a it weird thing. I, so I don't have yeah. I don't have that version. I have the the classic, like the mass market paperback, like third okay. printing from the early '80s or whatever. Um, so I I will need the two of you to sort of like help me out there. Okay. Yeah, it was just uh, it talked about uh, Bither, and then talked about the differences between the book and the movie as well. Yeah. And how um, like uh, suffice to say, we're going to be spoiling everything right now. Not that anybody cares for like a, a thousand year old movie but it talks about how especially the ending of the movie is so much more positive yes. than the book yeah. which is really bleak yeah right yeah and there's um in terms of uh, if we want to just quickly talk about the differences and the, the first of all the case the actual true true case is completely completely different as we said but the book and the movie differ as well and uh, did you n- get the sense that the entity was significantly less chatty in the movie? It talked a lot yeah. in the book. Yeah, uh, using yeah. very and in very the movie, harsh. It doesn't say really anything until the end. Yeah. Right, right. It uh, it uses a particular word over and over again that starts with yeah. the letter C, and you'll yeah, admit that's that uh, it's okay if you're British. So if you say it with British accent, you 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 can get away with it. But it's uh it's the old see you next Tuesday. Yeah, yeah basically. which I, it was yeah. Um, I found it was very exploitative, and I guess that was the whole point, right? Yeah. Of, of the way yeah, it was yeah. written. It just, like, it just, I got tired of it. <laughs> like, almost, like, it just, apart from, like, being slightly offended, like, once again, reviewing this through the lens of, like, 50 years ago, almost. But, like, even that, even then, back then, I would have, like, not been thrilled at, like, having to read this book that just seems to repeat itself. And then, like, Rob, you were saying, like, psychiatry is too rigid, and these parapsychologists have all of the answers, too, at the same time, which was, like, a right. weird kind of of mix of things and then towards the end of the book right of course dr schneiderman um uh breaches the uh containment unit that the parapsychology um department has like erected um as like her house essentially like they've recreated carla moran's house for her to like live in to attract the entity to trap it Mm -hmm. yeah because the entity's not that smart apparently it doesn't doesn't have spatial awareness although it could find her buick in the middle of los angeles right Yeah. yeah Yeah, <laughs> like um, like in terms of there was like we were saying how there's a lot of terrible men in this thing. Um, her friend Cindy, mm-hmm. such a nice person to her, really helps her. Her husband George, total jerk, the worst guy. He just did not want to have to deal with these kids in his house. Her friend, who had who had told her and confided in her that she had been raped, and. His friend, her friend's husband, just wanted his coffee in the morning. That's it. And his right. he didn't want to deal with her. Exactly, and yeah, like, lots of crappy dudes. So I want to read this from the introduction here. Um, as I've said, both versions of the entity can easily be read as parables about the many ways in which patriarchal energy, both literal and metaphorical, combined to deform one woman's life, robbing her of her own agency. This is brought to the fore less uh, through the titular uh, creature's physically damaging attacks than through the well-intentioned yet equally destructive actions of psychologist Dr. Schneiderman played in the movie by a very young Ron Silver. (laughs) Uh, R.I.P. Yes. uh, Who Carlotta Carla connects uh, with through the local university, which offers free counseling and such and such and such. But like that 
that definitely is a part because like everybody in her life, every man in her life is just utter trash from her uh boyfriend Jerry. Her ex. Um like her the the perspective her, her dad it starts with her dad right yeah it yes. does start yeah. with her dad um and like i one i think the most like one of the most disturbing scenes to me is when jerry's in the room and he's you know watching an assault take place she's asking him to help and you know there's like uh th- this thing where it seems like he hits her with the chair and after it is the most like piece of crap thing that a guy can think that I don't really want to get into, but it's just like, it's so stupid because he's thinking, why is this ghost better at giving my girlfriend an orgasm than me? And I'm like, what the yeah. hell? What yeah. the hell? I, and like, he also doesn't want to deal with a crazy girlfriend. Yeah. So, and like the other thing that really bothered me is that, it has that very male, like, belief that, uh, and and I want to say, she, like, Carlotta says it herself in the book, because she had an orgasm during one of these experiences, that's why she became pregnant. I'm like... Yeah, there's a whole hysterical pregnancy angle, too. It's just... Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Like, that, it's... That, that doesn't get touched upon in the movie, no. right? I don't, they kind of brush past it. The yeah. experience okay. happens, but they kind of just brush past that whole thing because, like, yeah, I don't think that would be. I yeah. when I was reading the book, though, I was I was looking forward to seeing the creepy bed, and there was no mention <laughs> of it really in the movie. And we all know how beds can harbor ghosts. Yeah, of I course, mean, classic unsolved mysteries episode. Yeah, I mean, it was bring it out to the uh, bunk land, landfill and crush it. Like it wasn't a bunk bed, but was the entire thing bunk? Maybe. Wow, that that's title of the episode, right? Rob's been saving that all week. He knew he was coming on, but yeah, it's it's so like something else that like is very interesting, and it's it's a differentiation between the book and the movie is that like the movie makes it much more clear that she was abused by her father. Yes, which I thought was Mm -hmm. like a very interesting kind of shortcut to things because it's left more ambiguously um, in the book, like a little more. Right, right. It's like alluded to, like she, I, I in the book she mentions it, like. You know, yeah, and in the book, hand. it also makes it seem like his friends were involved in it too, or maybe yeah. I, I misread that. But yeah. it was—it just—it's just odd. The the whole she did not have a good upbringing. She ran away with somebody who ended up being just as bad in other ways, and then like the only man who was sort of okay with her was the was Bob Garrett, right? Uh, he's hard. Like the book has all these flashbacks bob garrett is which is so okay so before yeah let's get an old creeper though right yeah let's get into that so yeah okay yeah they flesh out carlotta's uh uh backstory a lot more than they did the actual doris bither case because once again she wanted to is very ambiguous so in this case she married twice once to someone who essentially like got her pregnant at the age of like 15 i think right or 16 16 or 16 yeah yeah. and then like they run off and then he starts uh you know uh essentially becoming a speed freak yeah yeah and then dies in a motorbike accident motorcycle yeah and then she ends up driving around and then she ends up in this small town where she meets a a 60 something rancher as a 19 year old and like moves in with him and has two more kids right yeah that that they just happen um 
yeah, so he was nice to her, but he's also super creepy that he ends up. What's a thirty-eight? What's a thirty-year age difference, anyways, Angela? Right, like that's a mighty thirty-year-old difference between the two, right? Yeah, but if she's he's almost seventy and she's like twenty. That's like fifty years. Well, he was like sixty-two, Again, I think, when they met. She was nineteen. And he was sixty-two oh, okay. or sixty. Yeah. Okay, so like, yeah, thirty. 30 yeah, but I mean, like, there, years, it's, still, it's, it's yeah, it's just it's weird because like it almost feels like they're no, piling 40, on the misogyny 40. with that, like with the backstories. It's a dog pile of misogyny, basically, and like, it, it just seems to me that. Frank DiFolita just basically said, what is the worst thing that I can subject a woman to in a story and just like piled it on top? Like yeah. one after the other, after the other, after the other. I mean, just the way it ended with Bob Garrett and her being stuck in a house with right. a dead body right. and three young children was horrific. Yeah. 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 yeah I just, it's it, like the entire, so coming back to a point that you made Rob before, I thought that like they could have built more tension by making the assaults or attempted assaults more ambiguous. I thought would have been more interesting. Right. Right. And like kind of toned them down where you can't, you could crescendo like, and once again, like I don't really like, I don't write sexual assault scenes. Like I don't feel comfortable with them, but like if you right. wanted to use it as a plot point, that is a, the crux of your story, not the in, shock introduction of your story. Like you kind right. of, build up to that if i were to have rewritten this book not that i would right like yeah if he had built a story about like uh and 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 like the introduction to the book kind of alludes to it if he had done a better job building a story about women who experience sexual assault and aren't believed because i don't think it plays with these themes very well because of because it's very heavy handed. It's it, yep. like he hammers you over the head with it. So like because of that, it just it doesn't read fully in, in the way that he structures these scenes. They don't they're an assault, but like it's that male perspective that you're mm -hmm. reading it in because like he has the very Stephen King problem where he <laughs> will in introduce any female character basically by talking about her breasts or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, again, that's not the way to structure a book like this. And no. I've never read any of his other stuff. I know he did like, you know, a lot of work in television and, and stuff like that after world war two. But like, I, I don't really understand what he was trying to achieve with this book other than, to like write the like the the worst story I've I, I've read in some time. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And the funny thing too is that Deflita and Barry Tav had contact, right? Because basically, yes, according to that coast to coast interview that we all listened to, like yeah. Deflita essentially said, Barry Taff, if you had all of the money in the world, right. how would you have solved this one? And he was like, I would have trapped the ghost. And that. Like that see that that like final sequence just made it seem so stupid. <laughs> like, well, the thing is, is that the book builds her backstory in a way that it seems that her having a psychotic break at this point is plausible, right? Because yes. of everything right. that has yeah. happened to yeah. her in her life, and then the the psychiatrists are trying to figure this out seemingly on the right track but obviously we know this is a ghost movie 
And no, it has nothing to do with her background, and it's just some ghost that has, uh, has latched onto her for some reason. Yeah, and like uh, like Rob was alluding to, so essentially like these hauntings keep happening. She keeps getting assaulted. She goes to see a psychiatrist. Things aren't working out, and then she overhears these two parapsychologists talking in a bookstore and tells them, "Hey, I have the same issue too," which apparently is what happened. Yeah. To to Doris Bither, who was in a bookstore and overheard a colleague of Barry Taft talking about something, and she approached them, and that kind of opened the whole door for that. Um. So then, yeah. So essentially, she ends up. Uh, going from uh, just trusting a psychologist because he kind of pushes her too hard in the book to then um, uh, hang up with these parapsychologists who basically like set up camp in her home. And then um, so her boyfriend, Jerry, who is in sales, I guess, and he's kind of like flying around over, comes home and he kind of flips out because his mother had like uh, um, uh, had killed herself. And so he's very distrustful of people with with mental issues. And like she is scared of losing him. So she doesn't tell him any of this. And he comes home early. and He sees these dozens of people, you know, setting up in her apartment and gets very worried about that. And it kind of creates this whole other thing. And like Rob had said before, um, he witnesses her being attacked. He uh, smashes her with a chair. He gets arrested. She goes to the hospital. And then it kind of culminates. And then, like, there's the whole side story of, like, the 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 Dr. Snyderman character, the psychologist, like, you know, um, using the bureaucracy of higher ed to block the parapsychology department from, like, continuing. And then they all end up kind of, like, in a, in a Stephen King-esque kind of crescendo. You know, when the way that all of his books, there's all, yeah. they always come together at the end. That's It felt yeah. very much the same way where he there's just... There's a lot of politicking there, too, right? Yeah. Like, with the, with, the, with the doctors and stuff. Um, lots of smoking in that hospital, by the way. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Definitely was. Yeah, that is a that is definitely a seventies book. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so they end up on the soundstage, and then they're trying to coax the the entity out and uh, trap it in liquid hydrogen, which is apparently the 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 coldest substance on Earth. It'll shatter anything. In in the book, though, the, Jerry's treated quite differently in that he actually gets arrested in the book. Yes. Whereas mm-hmm. in the in the movie, it's much more abrupt where he's just sitting in the hospital hallway after smashing her in the head and giving her a concussion. Well, none of that, but, like, so her son in both cases comes in and defends his mother by, like, knocking Jerry around. So, to me, the book version is more plausible where he would have ended up because there is a witness yeah. after the fact versus in the hospital, he's just kind of kicking it. Right. Yeah, he's just there, and he's like, I can't deal with this. And they don't – maybe I missed this in the movie, but they don't explain why he can't deal with it, whereas we know why from the book in that – there's a whole backstory there about his mother and his family and stuff. Mm. Yeah. It's, Whereas in the yeah. movie, we don't know at all why he's he's so freaked out. Well, yeah. I mean, I can understand, um, and we we'll talk about the special effects later. But you'll you'll see he's seeing what's happening to his girlfriend, which uh, would traumatize anyone. Except uh, he doesn't deal with it in a good way. No. no. Basically, by running away. Yeah. Right. So essentially, they they try to trap the the energy. It appears as Carlotta eggs it on, and then it's <sighs> everything blows up. Essentially, yeah, <laughs> everything just kind of blows up. The, and then the parapsychologists are mad because they didn't get the evidence they needed, and the psychologists are mad because they've witnessed something happy, and so like no one wins in either case. Yeah, and I mean the protective barrier was not that protective. That uh, liquid nitro- liquid hydrogen just destroyed it quickly. Yeah. It uh, and you know it didn't it didn't it didn't stop anything in the end. Uh, I have a simple question that I want to ask both of you. How would the story have gone if she had gotten a second opinion? That's exactly what. Well, okay. So like caveat, like in the book, 
she's on welfare. She can't pay for anything. So that's why her friend Cindy is like, hey, it's free if you go to the university. Um, she could have gone to another university. Right. Or asked right. to see another mental health professional if she... Because I, I do believe that she had felt that he was getting too close to her. Right. Exactly. And, like, because of that, he, you know... Felita frames it in a way that you know psychology is to blame in this in this instance and like psychology's come a long way since the 1970s and, and like things are a lot different Me, you know mental health services are a lot better than they were yeah they need yeah. they could there's a lot of room for improvement but that's not what it used to be and less of a stigma as well yes a lot less of a stigma because they literally treat it in the book like it is this antiquated way of the dodo type of thing that is just like, you know, the parapsychologists believe that they're on the brink of something amazing, something new, something They're always profound. on the brink of something. Yes, always. And, you know... It's like disclosure. Uh, exactly. It's all <laughs> disclosure in this case. It's totally disclosure. But, uh, yeah, it's just... Um, I think like that scene with Jerry is the only one in which you can kind of view it from in a lens of ambiguity because of the way yeah. that it plays out. Had Defolita done that throughout the book, it would have been a lot better book. Agreed. Agreed. I think once again, it's very exploitative. I just, yes. I felt like it had an agenda and I don't mean that in like a political way. I just meant storytelling wise, you know, there's, and I, you know, it, it just, it, it was very unambiguous and it, it also was very, um, because, and, and I think that's because of the audience that it's written for. It's written for men. It's not written for women. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's written for men. And I would say really crappy men that <laughs> I feel like I'm part of that group now because I mean, I didn't, we, we read I it. didn't read it. I, I listened to the audiobook at work and it was, uh, the, it, it, it didn't make work better. Oh yeah. I think maybe, yeah. Because I reading it, like it's, it was a long book. So yes. I, I won't lie. I skimmed a lot of some, like some of the descriptions I couldn't deal with. Right. So I skimmed through a lot of them. So maybe that made it better for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, the parts I didn't mind was when he would go into the backstory. Yeah. To me, some actually, of the that was the best. I think was, that was the better part of the book. It's just yes, and yeah. when he was describing stuff, I would find myself like, okay, let me just skim, speed read this. But when, when he was describing the whole backstory of her leaving and going to this small town, I found that really interesting. Until she was like started, like the creepy old man stuff started right. to bet. Um, it's kind of funny. That, it's kind of funny because like um, I uh, watched Psycho Two last week. Okay. Which kind of has an electric a electric boogaloo? Yeah, exactly. It's actually like a good movie, but it it's kind of creepy because Norman Bates takes up with a very young Jennifer Tilly. Right, and I, I felt right. it was like a kind of like a very similar dynamic. Jennifer Tilly's in in Psycho Two. Isn't Jennifer Tilly? Uh, hold on, hold on. Jennifer Tilly would have been really young for Psycho right. Two, but, uh, but like. It, no, it was Meg Tilly. Sorry, I apologize. Right. Okay. But like, yeah, it, it has a very similar dynamic. I, I think another thing that detracts from wanting to, for me, even wanting to read the book from the beginning is like the stream of consciousness way that he is writing it, which is not, it, it, it's, it's very annoying to me because it, it's like, it's not done in a way 
in which you're like trying to like view it from her perspective. He's literally just moving from one thing to the to the next from like from sentence to sentence to sentence to sentence. It's like, give me a, a second to digest what you're saying. Like yeah. you're, you're moving a little too fast. And like, I don't care about all these details. Like they make they make no difference to, to yeah. anything that so you're saying. So I have so I just reach back and grab the the you know the mass market paperback from uh, the late seventies or eighties. So I just I don't think this is the case on the newer versions of the book, but like so this is the cover. It's a woman who could be in ecstasy, very stereotypical. Um, and on the front, the blurb is beyond physical reality, beyond ecstasy and pain, to a dark netherworld of psychosexual truth. Okay, Mine and on the back, <laughs> and on the back. Is even worse. Ravaged night after night against her will, beyond her understanding, violated by an enemy against whom there was no weapon, ellipses, a tire, <laughs> a terrifying novel based on a real life case of a woman preyed upon by a spectral rapist. <laughs> yeah. Hello? Like what? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, like anything to sell a book, I guess, but like uh, this, can, this, this was rough. Can I, can I read the, um, the Kirkus review. Oh, yes. Yeah, please do. <laughs> Dee Felita, um, writer of Audrey Rose, writes the kind of supernatural thriller that gives eternal life a bad name. The catchphrase here is spectral rapist and describes a dream rapist from the beyond who was built to deliver exotic earthquakes. <laughs> the entity is a moist, cold, stinking cloud that nightly assumes a Chinese shape in the language of a dock hand, as it he plunges his quivering manhood into Carlotta Moran. She's an L.A. widow who has supported her three kids as a nightclub cigarette girl in a see-through blouse, has morals of a quote-unquote nun, and is now on welfare. Suddenly, her home is invaded by the sex-mad poltergeist, who loves to break things. Doors, walls, ceilings, lamps, anything photogenic before he flattens her out and rapes her. As weeks go by, she gives in and begins enjoying these psychosexual degradings. Her handsome young shrink thinks this is all in her mind and puts up a righteous battle when two students, uh, two student psychic researchers move into her house with all their scientific junk. They just reinforce the hallucination, cries the doctor. But the psychics have a financial grant and get their way and build a simulated environment by duplicating her house in a lab. They hope to lure the entity into a special room and then freeze it with liquid helium. Overblown spectral droppings, Neanderthal dialogue, and uh, a natural for serialization in National Enquirer. Boom. What's that from? That's from the Kirk from Kirkus reviews. Okay. Which is pretty on point, I think, right? Mm -hmm. So apparently there's a female ghost in this apartment building who thinks I'm attractive. <laughs> Double density. So let us move from one from one medium to another. So I realized in setting up this episode, I've uh, asked you to listen to an interview, made you read a book, and then also screen a movie. So it's really a full audiovisual experience here. 
getting it uh, from all sides here just like i it's 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 practically overstimulation at this point yeah i thought yeah. you were gonna say like carlotta but no. no no that's too, that's poor angelo <laughs> okay I, I thought that's what he was gonna say i i would oh. never go there ever okay good yeah. i'm very proud of you for not doing that um, do we want to talk about some of the practical effects in the movie? Because well, why don't we talk about like, the movie the... first? So yeah. the movie okay. came out a couple years after the book, so it came out in 1982, um, directed by Sidney J. Fury. Angelo, do you know who he is? No, I don't. He sounds like a wrestler. Rob, you're gonna love this one. Guess what? He he directed your favorite movie. What? And uh, the 1992 classic Ladybugs, starring Rodney Dangerfield. Oh God! Man. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I'm like a kid all over again. I'm a nine-year-old. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he directed. Uh, so he also directed the very disastrous Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Oh really? man, oh, I had boy. so much hope for the Quest for Peace and like uh, yeah. just... Nuclear Man or whatever his name was. Yes, yeah. was it Nuclear Man? I think it was Nuclear Man. Something like that. If only there was a way we could use the internet to find out. No, it is Nuclear Man. Yes, correct. It what is? year oh, did that come out? Uh, 87. Late 80s? Yeah, 80, 87. Okay, 87. Like, if he had waited just a couple of more years yeah. for the fall of the and Berlin I, Wall. Funnily enough, Angela and I were talking last episode, the episode before, about Canon Films, right? So that's one of the f- last films that Canon Films had put out. Obviously, their uh, uh, state as a <laughs> um, film company, uh, their budgets were so diminished that, like, Superman 4 really had nothing to work with. Right. Right. Wasn't Gene Hackman was actually in it, though? He was. Yes, he was. So yeah, so the movie uh, uh, filmed in eighty one, delayed till eighty two um, in Europe, and then eighty three in the states, which I assume is also North America. Um, directed by Sidney J. Fury, based on the book, uh, starring Barbara Hershey as Carla, not Carlotta, which is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, to before de- you before you yes. move on, it should be noted that Di Felita did write the screenplay for this. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you can you can tell because a lot of the lines are word for word the yeah. book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there there are significant changes in certain aspects, but some of the stuff was exactly the same. Yeah, I was, and I'm glad I had decided to read the book and watch the movie kind of in the same time frame the last week because had I waited weeks and weeks, I would have necessarily connected the two. So it's very interesting that yeah, there was like whole bits um, lifted, which is also interesting when you really consider if Deflator also wrote that like he he kind of gave a very ambiguous ending to the book, but like he gave a very hopeful ending to the movie yeah. where um, Carla leaves the home and uh, she hears the voice, but she sees her family by the car and she's ready to go. Yeah. Whereas in the book, she's dreaming of being with, with Jerry. And then there's some really creepy stuff with her son happening where it's yeah. one big one, two little ones. Yeah. Uh, that really, really was off putting. Uh, but yeah, the, the book ending is super bleak. Yeah. And uh, the at least they changed that, and then they had the whole thing at the end talking about the the true case. And but, so I don't know if you noticed this, but they actually got the dates wrong um, right. on the crawl at the end. So I'm going to start at the the uh, end and kind of we can go uh, back right, to the beginning. Backwards. It, it it had claimed that these events occurred in Los Angeles in 1976, which is not true. It was 74, which right. is a little confusing to me about if you're going to say the true tale of someone and you had access to Barry Taff, was like no one just checking dates. I don't know. It's it's really expensive to get those things on screen, so they they had screwed up the typing and they they just they left couldn't it they couldn't just hit backspace like you can now. No, you can't no. do that. Like that is, 
things are a little different. We're, this is the typewriter age, and, and, and nobody yeah. wants to waste that white out. You just don't do well, it. Well, and talking about how things are a little different, it's something I love to bring up, but why are there no cases like this now? Because now you can like cover an entire home full of eight, like 8K cameras to cover every section of it to see what's happening. And is it because people do it and they absolutely catch nothing and the only things that we kind of look at are these blurry photos of possible hairs in front of the lens and stuff like that because that wouldn't happen with current camera technology or are they just are they just camera shy now like are oh they? yeah i mean they know <laughs> yeah they invented they've the evolved cameras. yeah they've learned like it's yeah. the predator They're right like the aliens yes yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. It's kind of like the Predator, another totally factual character um, in our realm of existence. Here. Totally. Well, they just made the the historical documentary about it. Yeah, great. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I remember the first one and uh, the real life dialogue of Jesse the Body Ventura saying that he didn't have time to bleed. But you know what? Yeah. You, you do what you can. You make you make do. And uh, as we all know, it is the probably worst um, metaphor for the Vietnam War. <laughs> Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes. Um, so, uh, very quickly though. So, Rob, have you watched Prey? Not yet. No. Okay. Uh, Angela, you and I have both watched it. I can't remember if we discussed this on the podcast because my brain is just literally like a colander. Just it's a sieve, just dripping mm-hmm. things. But uh, uh, we there was a local actor playing one of the French colonists in the movie who um, is English. He's from Montreal, and his French is very Fringlish. There's a heavy accent, so it was very confusing as someone uh, who you know, uh, here's French daily to hear a man's attempt at French. That's hilarious. You get a guy from Quebec and it's an English speaking Quebecer who doesn't speak French well. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's essentially what we witnessed. Anyways, that is neither here nor there. Let's go back <laughs> to 1982. Let's talk about the entity. Um, some things that are different that we've noted, there is no backstory, uh, to Carla in the movie. We don't know wh- who the father of these kids are really, um, compared yeah, to there's only vague mentions, really. Right. So he, it's all an exposition. There's no actual flashbacks. Yeah. Right. So largely the same in that she meets these two um, parapsychologists and Dr. Steinman, Rod Silver, RAP, is also, uh, you know, in the picture too. And he gets for insistence. Um, they cut the subplot of the psychologist versus the parapsychologist going through the higher ed, um, you know, process of like trying to get this project shut down. So it's just yeah, there's a there's a lot being cut out. And I get it; it's a movie. Um, yeah, let's talk visual effects. Let's talk special effects, uh, which is probably the only redeeming part yeah. of the movie. Yeah, I agree. Um, and like they not were, to get yeah, they were impressive yes, for, were. for early '80s. I mean, not to get too graphic, but like um, the way in which they constructed the entity grabbing Carla's breasts was very interesting, and right. not something that you would necessarily like it's it's a complicated kind of thing to do just practically speaking right um, it's all done with computers though yes exactly it's all computers there's no <laughs> 80s there, there's no visual effects yeah but that is kind of the only like if i were to step away from the subject matter and kind of look at the movie um mechanically that probably is the high point of it pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well, she was she was actually she's she's a good actress, right? She, she was she's well. In the she role. was in this movie. I I agree. I like. I generally agree with most people who say that she gave a a, a fantastic performance. She yeah. did. Yeah. I, it's just the you know source material in in this case. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she she did, did what she could with what she was given. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, she's she is a an Academy Award nominee, right? So that's yes. interesting too. 
Um, right. And then most recently was on a couple of episodes of the X-Files, like the revival right. um, is where I remembered her. Um, but yeah, she does the best of the, she kind of makes the best of the situation. It's not necessarily like a great movie to, to sit through. Um, though, strangely enough, Martin Scorsese <laughs> says it's, it's, no, let me explain why. Martin Scorsese says it's one of the scariest movies of all time, which Bull. I, Bull. Which, which I question, which yes. I question yeah, no, very I highly. I don't find it that scary. Um, it's not even as scary as that episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, the but. the reason that it's not scary is because the dang music. Like, oh yeah, so that music was I I felt it felt it added like a, a like an oppression to it when you were watching, like just hitting you in the face, and then the music never really came back, or just I didn't I stopped noticing it. But when that was one of the things, so you got indoctrinated essentially, that, you kind of submitted, yeah, to yeah music. but like I did the the music like was really adding to the sense of how like oppressive it was it was just blaring through my speakers and um it felt like it very hard. early industrial music like i was texting yeah, rob about right. this it was like very bad very early like like you know throbbing gristle was pretty much existing as like weird artsy industrial but like this was just as you're saying angela like very oppressive like this could have done well as a remixed song in the 90s for like a golf club right. and it came out of nowhere it just yeah. would start yeah, yeah. But I, I sort of see where they're coming from with it, where the attacks would also just sort of start, right? Um, and then what her 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 thirty five year old son. Uh, okay, so that's was, the next point yeah. I want to make. Billy definitely did not look fifteen. No, like it, no, it was definitely like a grease situation where yeah. everyone was of age and it was kind of interesting because i was watching the movie and i was like there's a weird sexual tension and then i hopped on the imdb trivia and apparently there was a deleted subplot where um the entity was like forcing thoughts of incest on her and like showing her son in like a a sexual kind of light well we see um, that in the book right? yeah yes. there is a yeah little exactly yeah. yeah yeah but it's like it's made very clear um uh, even without it being the movie there's like a lot of weird tension between the two here's a, yeah it was here's a thought and I just want to go back to the to the music for a second. Imagine if they replaced it with Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme song. <laughs> Every time the entity just the glass, and glass, and like, glass, and like you know, you hear the glass shatter, the door bursts open, and like you know, yeah, it's very dissonant and not in a good way. Like, and then once again, like you you see these assaults happen regularly, right. you know, and film is a great place to show and not tell so i feel like they could have done a really good job of making it ambiguous instead of like just once again like outright sort of of showing it right at the outset and yeah i think like one of the things that um defolita didn't do very well that it, that i think could have added a lot to it is he wasn't very good at necessarily building tension he was more necessary he he more puts you into a a, a you know, a, a scene for a moment and that was it, but it didn't, it never really built tension for me because like, uh, you know, there are scenes where, um, the, the kids are like arguing and stuff and he's trying to get it kind of trying to get across. that This is like part of the phenomenon, but like if he had built tension in a, in a little, in a better way. And, and we saw like the phenomenon more than just, like um it's these like scenes over and over again because like there's no real build to it ever it's just it yeah. happens and yeah. that's it yeah 
I just came. I just realized something, Rob, that you had subjected me to the the film The Fourth Kind in 2020. Yes. So this is kind of payback yep. here. Yes. Another yes. based on true events story that is very uh, nebulous. That's but with, a, uh, a Mila Jovovich, right? Yeah, yes. a much better film film than this. I will agree. Uh, I. I mean, like, like I'm talking like respectively. If we were to, you know, have them enter the gladiatorial arena and have them spar, you know, spar off, like. Fourth gun is in terms much better. Of the craft of filmmaking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 There weren't enough owls in this one. No, there wasn't. Uh, I no, needed... there's there's enough spectral rape yeah. though, which is just like a, it's an unfortunate term that like once again got brainwashed. I don't like on. saying that. It's it's, like it's not gross. Even, and yeah, the fact that it's yeah. on the back of this book is just very like it, obviously sensationalistic, right? In order to move copies, but like you know, it's for uh, the book is like for men who have like a rape fantasy almost. Like it's just right. like a weird kind of like. I, 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 yeah, I'm trying to think of like the kind of man who would pick this up and want to read it and be like, yeah, this is my jam. It's not a man that I want to know in real life ever. So five stars for the book? Yeah, Rob, uh, I've seen your Goodreads, Rob. Oh, you've seen my Goodreads, yeah. And your 3,000-word review. In my 3,000-word review and my takedown of Frank D. Felita. Uh, yeah, I give it, uh, if I could give it zero stars, I would. But uh, unfortunately... I'll just leave it unrated for that. It's a good call. Angelo, do you like the song Mysterious Ways by U2? Yeah, it's fine. Um, because like it was strange to me that uh, you seemed enthused. Yeah, I was kind of enjoying some parts of the book, and then it would get to other parts of the book where I would not enjoy it. And like I said, I was skimming through a lot of it. And... Which is kind of, I don't know if it's cheating or not. I don't. Well, whatever. I mean, I don't think it's cheating, but I think. I think my um, how I take your rating is is uh, is now um, it's now through rose colored lenses now. I can't, yeah, of course. I can't no, totally. No, I, I can't totally trust it. No, I you agree. And did not subject yourself to no, listening I know, to this because at I, work. <laughs> oh no, I can't imagine having listened to this uh, and depending on how the reader was. Uh, how excited they would get by discussing these things. I will say uh, I it was a woman and she was her voice was pleasant and uh she did the best that she could with it. I'll give her that. And did you ever hear like off mic saying do I, do I really have to read this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just kind of pictured it in my head before any of those scenes like happened that she's like she had to stop for a second. I was like, really? He wrote this? Who's reissuing this? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I look. I'll, I'll, I'll say I, I enjoyed some of the parts of the book. Like the, the flashbacks were interesting to read and finding out how she arrived to where she was. The descriptions of some of the events were hard to go by, and then the whole like last, I'd say fifty pages of I read after finishing the movie, and I like a lot of the politicking. I had this kind of skim through mm. but i got the gist of it and did it I read feel like work to epilogue. you because you do work in higher ed i don't work in that aspect of higher ed do right? you want so to i don't though? see not at all it's so um well again it's so political like the part of what i do is it doesn't there's not like a revolving door of characters that come into like okay i'm the new chair of this facility and i don't know why he sounds like a southern just you wait. Now this is going to happen in real life. You're gonna deal with this revolving door of figures. Yeah. It's like it's fate like it comes in in a cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
there's a cowboy and spurs. I, I love to see the mental image of you seeing a man come into your office with spurs and having to like deal with it. Yeah, actually, my no, office he, is he, pretty, pretty much here where I am right now. I'm not at an mm, office. Trapped in your mind. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah exactly. So like now what's going to happen is like you will hear Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme song and the door will just bust open. Oh, maybe that's why I sounded like that. Yeah. Yeah. You have Stone Cold on the mind, clearly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, I've been I have been watching the territories, which is really entertaining. Yes, it is. It's um, it's fantastic. Okay, yeah, so my question funny. to you both then, if you had to uh reread or rewatch one of these, which avenue would you go? The movie, because it's a lot shorter. Yeah, movie. and I could lower the volume. Yeah. I actually that was my answer too. I think the movie. Um, yeah, I spent. Uh, and it's a long ass movie. Like, yeah, it's, don't it's get two hours and five minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's way too long. Right. But you don't believe I, in long movies. Unlike the book, I didn't fast forward through it. You don't believe in long. I movies. like long movies when it's like Infinity. You ever see the Godfather, bro? I don't like the Godfather. Oh, uh, this is sacrilege. This is sacrilege. Tra- well, what like well, two on two levels, right? And on the the cinema side of things, but also. Um, uh, culturally, because Angela, you're Italian. Yeah, exactly. really, with my name. <laughs> um, I have to rewatch them though, because I also felt the same way about the Lord of the Rings movies, which I recently rewatched, and I absolutely love them. So maybe I'll have to go back and watch the. Um, I hear Godfather Three is the best one. Oh, the oh, only one go. you need to watch. Yeah, the only one go. you need to watch. Yeah. yeah. On and I have to rent it on the gold cassette tapes. Do you know guys know that? We, yeah, absolutely. We were renting it, absolutely. and it was on gold tapes. Two of them. Yep. You know, Angela, like you have many faults. We've discussed this. You are lazy sometimes, but you yeah. are never afraid to critically reassess things, which I think is very interesting. And I commend yeah, you for why that. Not? I could be. I'm allowed being wrong. Yeah. And, um, I, and yeah. So anyway, Lord of the Rings, really good. Really? So maybe, uh, huh. Wow. It's, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's. Uh, yeah. I, I am. I remembered them being really boring. Double underscore density. If you think wait, Lord wait, of the Rings uh, is good, some would call this a hot take. Um, <laughs> yeah. Angelo, the, the new series is was pretty decent too. Which yeah, is why do you want to just spoil it while we're at it too? There was a, an elf who was black, and people got very upset mm. because they're racist. Mm-hmm. The internet, mm. yes. racism, yeah. interesting. They're horrible people. Interesting. Uh, okay, so I think we're in agreement. We'd all force ourselves to watch the movie if that were the case. Um, yeah. Rob, you and I, I know we were talking about uh, you uh, maybe come up with a list of like better alternatives from this. There is one book that i could recommend where you really don't know what's going on you kind of think something's going on you kind of don't a head full of ghosts by paul paul tremblay is just absolutely fantastic for that like you you're the it, it freaks you out at certain points and there are other points where it's just like is she like really kind of like making it all up and stuff like that and it like crescendos into a really like violent scene at the end but like that that is infinitely better than than this head full of ghosts by paul tremblay i read it like uh like maybe earlier this year i think it was and just like freaked me the hell out but superior in every single way yes absolutely superior in every single way uh, I was going to ask you both if you wanted to rate this on five poltergeists, but I realize it's going to be a very low number, so I will just skip the rating section of this and just head I, on over. I don't think... Six poltergeists. I don't think it's worth the haunting. Let's just say it like that. <laughs> uh, you know what? I will accept that. I retract my statement. Rob, uh, your your uh, review stance. Um, if you took a spectral photo... There'd be nothing there, right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah, it would just be a normal pool. Right? On a, on a scale of um, 
uh, spectral photo with nothing in it to um, that one with the uh, plasma balls and San Pedro. The arc. This is this is definitely one that has nothing in it. Exactly. Yeah, okay. it's a family portrait of the three of us together, just yep. having Thanksgiving dinner or something together. Yes. Which is just an interesting thought that maybe we should work on next year. I think it would be very interesting if we decided to mm. go go to the you know the Applebee's. <laughs> The closest Applebee's together. And just... you, you sound you sound American already. Double density. Rob, I'm uh, I have a question for you. I or rather a statement that I'm very excited by. I just saw on Twitter that you interviewed Mark O'Connell. Well, I'm going to be. I'm going to be interviewing him next week. Uh, he was our first UFO book club. His book, uh, The Close Encounters Man, was like the first of two UFO book clubs that we did. And uh, yeah, I'm talking to him. Um, and uh, you know, get into some Heineck, and uh, he was apparently interviewed for, you know, a CNN series, and, you know, it's just, it, things happen, you know, things yeah. fall through, and all that I stuff. mentioned that because I... follow on Twitter. He's a great follow on Twitter, one, yeah. and then two, I mentioned that because I... The, uh, the Close Encounters, man, the book is uh, way better than whatever we subject ourselves to today. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is way better. Um, and I, I think it's still available, right? It's it's available on your feed, I, I do believe, because you put the archives up a while back. Yep. Yeah. So if anyone wants to check it out, actually, you know what? I'll include a link in the show notes if anyone wants to do it. It was really fun. Um, I we would all suggest probably reading that and Head Full of Ghosts versus the yeah. Entity and then watching the movie. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, I will say if you are fans of uh, Carl Sagan slander, definitely check that out because I did go all in on that turtleneck. I really did. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I remember that. And then uh, if I if I can recommend a good book to read, which I haven't started reading, are you gonna say the Bible? It. Don't say the Bible. No, I'm not gonna. Oh, say I don't Bible. know if I'm it's true it. or not till the end. I'm gonna say Every House Is Haunted by uh, Ian Rogers. Oh, which is yeah, uh, out out for yeah. purchase now. Yeah, I got my yeah. copy earlier this week. Yeah. I have yet to read it because I literally got home yesterday from a mini uh, yeah. stay. I just at a got cottage. it too. I I pre-ordered it and I received it. I'm finishing up uh, another book now, and it's my next book to read. Perfect for Halloween. I love that idea, even though this episode comes out on uh, November 2nd, but that's okay. We're still in the spirit. You can Screw the holidays. Like, this is the right. uh, ghost of Halloween's past. Like There we yeah, go. Yeah. There we go. So, Rob, where can people find you? What Apart from Mark O'Connell, like, what is up with our strange guys? What do you have planned for the next couple of months? Uh, so, I am at the beginning of a series on the history of of the alien abduction phenomenon going back to like the early fifties when it all kind of really starts and then going all the way until present day. So if you're interested in that, but like I've covered uh, this month uh, the, the, in October, I covered uh, Bigfoot and you, I love yeah, yeah. Sasquatch 72. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, co- covered Momo. Cause there was a lot of like weird anomalous stuff associated with it. Uh, we covered, uh, we just had, uh, really, uh, did a really interesting episode with my friend Willow about, um, this woman who lived in, uh, British Columbia who claimed to, um, basically live in a UFO hotspot one winter and like, uh, how the, uh, UFOs interacted with her was absolutely like amazing because she kept trying to put things into kind of a human perspective and like, uh, 
there was a lot of awkwardness to it and there was this element of isolation because of where she was and i learned what a hydro man was and it's not a water man it's an electrical man that's that's what they do <laughs> why do you you canadians fool me with well this so yeah our, water for electricity our, not coal exactly right? our utility here in quebec is hydro quebec right. so right. Right. So I'm sorry to have shattered that beautiful image that you had in your mind, Rob. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, we'll be sending you loonies and toonies in the mail to compensate. Yeah. I appreciate that uh, because I got so many responses from people telling me what a Hydro Man was. Like, I've received <laughs> five already, and uh, I I have made a correction in the in the next episode. Uh, so hopefully, I don't. Uh, I'm not besieged upon anymore. Um, and uh, I just uh, did an interview with Stan Gordon, uh, which was uh, really fun. Uh, a ufologist from Pennsylvania. He's, he's investigated cases and such since 1959. So he's been around Whoa. a long time. But um, yeah, if you want to find Our Strange Skies, you can find pretty much anywhere on any any platform that you can think of. Uh, if you want the good links, go to OurStrangeSkies.com. You can find... A lot of good stuff there. Um, and uh, an another thing that I'd like to mention is that um, I actually do a webcomic. I write a webcomic with uh, my buddy Todd Purse. Uh, every month we put out a five-panel comic uh, that depicts a uh, real-life UFO encounter or a real-life alien encounter. So if you're interested in that, we uh, you can check it out on Twitter at uh, WelcomeUFOPeeps and Instagram at WelcomeUFOPeople. And uh, we also release high res images on our Patreon pages. So, yeah, I just got a I got a lot going on these days. One quick thing I'd love to mention before I forget is your sixty five, sixty seven series from the summer is so friggin' good. And I just if people want to like not to say not to listen to any other episodes, but I'm saying like that three part series is like five and a half hours of it's, like content almost. It's about that, but uh, yeah. It's so it's definitely worth it. That three I would favorite. rate it better than listening to the entity as an audio. Yeah, oh oh totally. Uh it, like um if you're interested in like the Mothman, because the Mothman's a huge cultural figure. I would recommend listening to those episodes because uh, the one thing that I tried to do is put everything into like context at the time because there were a lot of major cases going on and in most people kind of put them in a vacuum and look at them uh, each individually. So uh, what we did with that series was kind of like put it all together and show you like how things kind of, it, 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 it's essentially the time period where the UFO phenomenon broke bad essentially and like uh it just started going crazy so uh if you have five and a half hours and you want uh a lot of fascinating ufo cases go check out that 65 to 67 series angela if you had to uh suggest one of our episodes which one would you choose hmm we have 198 of them i know there's way too many to to recommend but um i'd say go back and listen to all the ones with rob uh, Rob was actually our first guest. He was episode yeah. twenty four, I think. Yeah, yeah like uh, way back in the previous decade. Uh, I think Rob's been like the the longest, like uh, the most appeared or the most frequent guest. I don't know where the frig my words are going. <laughs> yeah, this I is... still remember the first time I heard Rob was on on uh, on uh, Chris's uh, podcast. Yeah, uh, Mad Scientist podcast. Yeah, yep, that was. That was the first time I was interviewed for anything. 
back in the day. Look at that. Yep. I remember, and I remember where I was listening to you. I was on the train coming back home. See, it, it, I'm I'm the perfect distraction from the train. If you happen to be one of those folks that rides a train, I'm I'm the perfect distraction. I, yeah. Rob, I have good news slash bad news. Yeah. You have been on as many episodes discounting this one as Angelo's cat lollipop. Oh, uh, wow. She was she made a quick appearance in the background. She did. Uh, uh, and like start going into her little I'm, cat I'm door calling there. out lollipop right now. Like I've been <laughs> I'll see you at WrestleMania. I, I'll see you and believe me. I may end up losing that match, but <laughs> You need me to go get her? Yeah, I'm no, I, I do. Her. I actually do right now. I want you to go. I want you to go get her. I'm gonna cut a promo on this cat. I'm just gonna. Folks, do it. Angelo has stepped away. He took his headphones off. His weird new Mac uh, has followed him out the door, pretty much, with the <laughs> the sensor camera. Now it's just it doesn't know what to do. It's oh, are we gonna see? Oh, are we Whoa. gonna see an entity? Oh, All right, my. we see some wires. What do you think of these wires? Rob? I think the unfinished ceiling here is very unpleasing to the eye. It's, uh... I agree. Aesthetically poor, Angelo, who will be listening to this in post. <laughs> All right, he's brought his cat. Oh, there is lollipop right there. Listen All right, to me, cat. Uh... <laughs> Listen to me. You, you're not prepared for what I bring to the table. You don't understand what I can do, but I can, I can tell you right now, I will put you out of your misery. Because you have made too many appearances on this podcast, and I can't have it. There's only room for one, and it's me, and it's always been me. So, ironically enough, Rob, in summoning Lollipop, you now are both equal yet again. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it happens, but like, yeah, I can see your smug look, smug cat. All right, Angelo, uh, this is your favorite part of the episode. Where can people find us on the internet? <laughs> on the internet, the best place is doubledensity.net. Because there, you'll be able to find all our links, like Brian's Twitter link, which is at uh, Brian uh, MTL. No, that's that that's Instagram. That's, uh, it's Instagram. Just yeah, my Brian, name. Uh, Just my name, Brian Heasy. Yeah. And uh, before we forget, Rob, uh, you're still your UFO guy, right? Correct? I am your UFO guy. I uh, confuse you because I spell it Y-E-R, UFO guy, because I'm cool like that. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. okay with it. I've always liked that. Uh, I... I uh, I think the only reason that I spelled it that way isn't that the way that the hip spells it on your favorites? Is it E-R? yeah, exactly, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Y-E-R, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, double density done. And Angela, keep going. So Brian Hasty, you could also find Angela at Angelo Furin on Twitter, which you check in on sometimes. I saw you, yeah, I go on Twitter, check in on things today on when I mentioned you from the double density account, double underscore that density was, over on Twitter. Laugh. Um, that was yes, laziest man alive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. It's our dynamic. I understand that I do the work, and then you go, oh, that's nice, and move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you could also find us on Instagram. It's Double Density Podcast. And if you want to send us an email for some reason, DoubleDensityPodcast at gmail.com, I will yeah. uh, answer, probably. I will answer. Yeah, I will answer if you send us an email. Send mysterious My, my cat is now emails. confused. Just She's just standing around she's leaving now but my cat was very yeah that's right get out of the room picked her up from out under the, the room she was sleeping under the foosball table and she's wondering why is this human picking me up i'm trying to sleep i'm in my foosball table spot i feel like this episode is sputtering to an end and so mm-hmm. i will mercifully take it uh, out into the shed that you had mentioned earlier on uh, in the episode angelo and just take care of it 
Um, something to note is that our 200th episode is the next one, and I'm not quite sure what we're doing. Uh, we kind of did a really stupid 100 episode thing where I disappeared, which was stupid and dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will probably do a way better episode 200 where I will force. Yeah, I think we just we may just reminisce about things. Who knows? Oh, you. So once again, you not wanting to do the work, you just talking about the work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So this has been it for episode 199 of the Double Dancy Podcast. Uh, before I forget, Rob, thank you so much for coming on. It's always a pleasure to have you. I always get excited um, when you and I get to connect and just talk smack. Yeah. Exactly. Because that's all. That's mainly what we do. Like we haven't done anything that like, like is like would be considered. Like we watched the movie Signs and that was awful. And you found the guy on the on the random <laughs> on Roger comment board. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> on rogerieber.com commenting about the movie signs and then uh, you the, uh, the conspiracy that came forth that his name was not right <laughs> yeah yeah and so you know i would love to do something positive but you and i have a an episode <laughs> cooking up for our strange guys that is also <laughs> delving into um really bad things and so i oh, want bad sorry that's too bad you guys need to do something positive uh well happy joyful so I guess we'll continue our, our predisposition of um, delving into garbage and trash and just trying to find gold from it. Yep. Um, so yeah, this has been it for episode 199 of the Double Density Podcast. And tune in next episode as we do something monumental or not. I'll see you then. Episode 200 coming right up. Also check out Angela's song, which I will place right here as we fade out slowly and the song comes in i may actually leave the full song angelo play just to torture into oblivion Uh, please please do leave it all in there let everyone absorb it standing at the top finally here not scared of the drop nothing to I'll find my place Nothing holds me back And I'll set the pace Nothing to throw me off track It's all in perspective My life is ahead Six poltergeists.